Luton Town did what AC Milan, PSG and Borussia Dortmund could only do in three games combined. And that is score four goals at St. James's Park. Alongside me to recap on a quite incredible afternoon of football, it's the Lutonian journalist James Cunliffe. James, recovered from that one? And now they're going to believe us. Absolutely. Yeah, we will unlock it all after this intro. Everyone, welcome along to another episode of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast. We are recapping on Newcastle United four, Luton Town four. Which is still incredible to say it, hmm. even the day after it happened. As I said before the intro, James is alongside me as always. Have you ever seen anything like that, Jimbo? Yeah, no. I thought I'd seen a lot with Luton, but my word, that was a match of absolute pure mayhem. <laughs> Uh, and I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Rob Edwards has said in a few press conferences recently, he likes to bring the chaos. But what I loved about this was he brought the chaos, but he brought control with it. Controlled chaos equals danger, doesn't it, as far as Luton are concerned? And Newcastle got it both barrels. They did. Uh, well, I mean, eight goals in two games. I never thought I'd see that phenomenal amount of goals from this team but they just do keep surprising you and um it was an incredible game of football um uh, quite rightly the first game of matches they absolutely nailed on after uh that many goals and that many twists and that many turns it was um yeah i i, I was racking my brain so i even think of a a, a scoreline and a match like that in the, at least in the seven years, seven seasons that we've been doing this podcast, and I'm afraid I just can't. No, needless to say, and this is no sort of shame on anyone, no one got the correct score for this game. No. I don't think anyone would ever have seen 4-4 come in. The first time Luton has uh, played out a 4-4 draw since Charlton away in the uh, League Cup. Back in 2003, the days, the great days of Gary McSheffrey and mm. everyone else. And even that needed extra time to finish 4-4. It was only 3-3 after 90 minutes. It's, um, yeah, just an in- an incredible game of football. I mean, you, you say that Luton are surprising everyone. Well, we definitely surprised a lot of Newcastle fans that commented on our preview show that had cost stupid comments like, Luton are going to park the bus. Luton aren't good enough. They're going to get thrashed. All this, that and the other. I mean, come on now, lads. We beat you at our place fair and square. And where you needed £90 million worth off the bench. Otherwise, you'd have got beaten at your place as well. It was just an incredible afternoon. But I mean, if we start where we always do with the team sheets, I knew Luton were going to have some fun and games at St. James's Park when I saw the team sheet. We said it in the preview, James. Dan Byrne down that left-hand side was an accident waiting to happen. I've got to be honest, I've never really brought into the Eddie Howe hype. Yeah, he did an okay job at Bournemouth, but they spent a lot of money and he signed a lot of tosh. Mm. And he hasn't, he's got Newcastle into Champions League football, but again, he spent a lot of money. That's the modern way. I'm not against him, but I just don't think he's quite as good as the hype. But if you've watched Luton recently, or you stood on that touchline at Kenilworth Road, six weeks ago or whatever it was, and you still pick Dan Byrne at left back in that game when you've got Tino Livramento ready and waiting. You are you basically deserve all that you get, and boy, did they get what they deserved because Chio ran Byrne so rampant that he just had to put his hands up in submission and, you know, wave the white flag after 65 minutes, and that's what happened. It was an incredible sight, and I'm all for it. Long may that continue. If everyone wants to do that against Chio Ogbeni, who even we have talked about it, has been clocked as the fastest time in in the Premier League. The guy is lightning, and I'm. I'd like somebody to send me a picture of Dan Byrne uh, the day after. I'm pretty sure his eyebrows are singed. He put on the afterburners that many times. 
It's not just Dan Burns' eyebrows that are singed. There's actually a scorch mark down <laughs> two sides of the pitch that Chio operated on. 15 seconds was that we was after him. You know, you could tell straight away that the game plan, I mean, we highlighted it in the preview. And if we're highlighting it, surely paid analysts are working it out. He had no support either in front of him. It was just Dan Byrne trying to defend Chio. And it was like asking a two-year-old to defend against Ronaldinho. It's, it was just, it was just brilliant to watch because as we've, we've said on this podcast loads of times, if there's one thing that as a football fan you love, it's a winger squaring up the fullback and saying, come on then, let's have it. And, knowing full well that the wing is going to win every single time. And he did. And eventually, you know, Bernard had enough and fouled him, didn't he? I mean, we'll come on to the third goal in a little while. But yeah, I was really, really happy with that team sheet. As far as Luton concerned, just the one change, Ted and Mengi and for Reese Burke, we kind of intimated that that would happen. Largely because, you know, we're still managing Reese back to fitness. And also, how do you leave Ted and Mengi out when he's fit? You can't. Didn't really do a great deal wrong, albeit we still conceded four goals. That's just the craziness of the afternoon. But yeah, it's just, it was really, really weird. Obviously, four behind after five minutes. And you kind of, I said, we also said in the preview, didn't we? You think back to the cup game, we were 3 0 down in 25 minutes and we we're out the game. And they score after six minutes. You keep all the attacking players quiet and then all of a sudden, long staff pops up and you're like, please just. Don't be the same as the cup game. But this lot are made of stronger stuff, aren't they? When they get punched to the chin, they respond with one pretty quickly afterwards. And it's one of the most remarkable things. I mean, in a litany of remarkable things about this Luton team that, you know, under the previous manager, who's just got a job at Charlton, so good luck to him. Um, if you if you went down 1-0 away from home at the end of the game, and that doesn't seem to bother anymore it doesn't phase them whatsoever um, and I thought they composed themselves really quite well after after the first goal and obviously got back into it so um this this team there's a lot of been made about this team about they they never say die and they never quit but that talks about their ability to score late goals but to come back from adversity as well they they uh, you know undaunted by any sort of setback and um that's that's got to be a huge, huge plus. Yeah, I'm out of words to describe the pride that I have of supporting this football club right now. And, and that's largely one of the reasons. You got, uh, give credit to Newcastle for that opening goal. The ball out to Trippier was beautiful. The ball from Trippier inches away from Sambi Lakonga, but that's exactly where he placed it. And then Longstaff, great finish, no chance for Kaminsky. Good first goal. If that was the other way around, would be waxing lyrical about it. But you always know when Luton get a free kick... You know, the old eyes get a bit wider because you know what's coming. Usually it's Alfie, isn't it? But Ross was like, no, I'll have some of this one. Chipped it in. Carlton Morris, absolute monster. I'm going to come on to him later because he was a machine uh, over the course of the 90 minutes. Um, heads it across goal. Credit to Gabe Osh. It's obviously a training ground routine, isn't it? Because mm. Gabe knows where the ball's going and he attacks it. Thumps a header in off the crossbar. They always look better when they go in off the crossbar, don't they? And... Um, and we're back in the game and none, nothing more than we deserved given the way that we took that punch and came back with our own. Yeah, I think so. They they really composed themselves quite well and there's just goals in this Luton team. So now, you know, if, if eight goals in two games doesn't say that to you, but that, that's been happening for a while now. Luton scored against all the big boys, really, bar Tottenham. Um, if you can count them as big boys, sorry Spurs. Blimey. <laughs> um but yeah, they 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 could they could fight. They know where the net is, and and it's not just one player that's doing it as well. It's not like last season where it was all Carlton Morris one nil away. If Gate Bosho is getting in on the act as well, um, and it's all it's throughout the team, nearly everyone scored really. So um, it's it, it. I mean, yesterday was a match for the attacking purists, wasn't it? I mean, you you. You can pick apart the defensive frailties of mistakes on both sides, and I guess we'll touch on on some of them. But really, you just got to marvel at two teams going hell for leather at each other, really. And it was just one hell of a game. If you're neutral, and I've seen some newspaper reports saying this, you just got to marvel at the fact that Luton, no real right to go to St James's Park and say, "Come on, then, let's have you in a game of football." What are we seven months in from promotion, or you know, starting the starting out in our Premier League life? To be fair to those comments that were on our on our preview, 
a lot of promoted teams will go there and park the bus and aim not to get an absolute towel in. But that's never been the way Luton Town operate and it's not going to be the way Luton Town operate. And maybe they were a little bit shell-shocked from the way that we sort of set up. As I said a minute ago, we made our our intentions perfectly clear in the first minute when it was straight after Dan Byrne, having done 90 minutes of it or however long he was on the pitch for in the first game. But again, credit to Newcastle. They're obviously a very comfortable side at home. That pitch from up in the away end looks bloody massive and uh, whereas we could contain Brighton in the centre of the park because there's no space for um, them to pass around and we can press easily we were having to do sort of 20 25 yard sprints to get anywhere near any of their players and kind of took us I don't know 20 25 minutes to work it out by which time we've, we've got ourselves up on the halfway line we've, we're starting to press really high but good teams are capable of breaking that high line down and they did uh, ball out to Anthony Gordon. I don't want to be critical of Gabe Osho in any way, shape or form because he's been immense this season. Wipe him out. Just wipe him out on the halfway line. You're going to get booked, but that's absolutely fine. We'll take that. Once he's got past him, credit to Gabe, he's got back. Then he's allowed him cut inside. Kaminsky's made a good save. At the time, I was a little bit critical that he pushed it straight out to Longstaff. You'd like him to try and get that wide of the goal, but then we saw at the opposite end the exact same thing happen. And Longstaff's got another tap in and you're like, for Christ's sake, Gordon's not scoring, Almiron's not scoring, Murphy's not scoring. Who's this bloody one who scored for a second time in 15 minutes or whatever? Again, pretty simple finish, but I think that's the one that would um, not disappoint Rob, but that's the one that we could have dealt with a lot earlier in the piece than what we did. Yeah, I mean, I've, I, I have to admit, I didn't think that Anthony Gordon was that quick. I thought he'd be fairly nippy, but... I thought he was going to get away from Gabe at one point. Um, you know, fair play to him for sort of recovering enough to to hold him up a bit, but to get the shot off is is he didn't close him down really. Did he? he can either wipe him out earlier on. I mean, don't want to be really that cynical, but they were on the break, weren't they? And um, then maybe don't show him inside to where he can have a pop. But you know, at that point, because it was only like two or three minutes after the equaliser. It felt like a downer, but you do still go back to this thing that Luton, they don't give up, really. Um, I mean, there was a pretty ominous stat at the time that every time Sean Longstaff's scored for them uh, recently, they've won 10 of the last 11. Um, and so for him to get two, you're thinking, mm, bloody hell, this, is, this might not uh, be going Luton's way, but they, they, they fight and fight and fight and they, they got back into it. The other thing we said in the preview podcast is if our two can dominate their three in the centre of the park, they're in for problems. Our one, I mean, that's no disrespect to Lekonga, and I shouldn't really say it because Lekonga was brilliant anyway. But when you think you've seen the best of Ross Barkley, he's like, no, 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 hold my beer. I've still got more to come. He was absolutely immense on Saturday. He was a beast in the centre of the park. And quite why you're in Amsterdam watching some idiot that you know all about Gareth when this bloke is running the Premier League ragged in front of our very eyes is beyond me but he rode the challenge from Longstaff didn't he Barkley and then from that moment onwards they've got big problems because although Bruno's a kind of defensive midfielder at no stage does he really go anywhere near his defence there's a there's a huge chasm between their defence and their midfield and once Barkley had rode the Longstaff challenge, you had Barkley descending on the defence. You had Morris and Clark from the formation switch that we've mentioned recently going at it. You had Alfie going at them. You had Eli. All of a sudden, it was a siege of orange. It was like that film Zulu where they come down the hill with their... It was just like that. And they don't know now. So Barkley's going in. Do we block his shot? Yeah, OK, we'll block his shot. Well, that's no problem because he'll just pass it to Alfie. Alfie could have scored himself. Good save from the keeper. Straight out to Barkley. Not content with just tapping it in. Has to just take a lovely little touch and then just put it in as well. It was just a brilliant goal that was reminiscent of everything Ross Barkley brings to the table and more. It was an astounding performance there from in a, in a season of them, really. And yeah, that thing you mentioned about Gareth Southgate, it's, I mean, that's quite, it's frankly outrageous. Not just to Ross Barkley, to that pitch had so many English players on there that he could have looked at and he's gone to look at a 
30 odd year old Jordan Henderson who's playing in a in you know not a very good league it, it's it just smacks of we all know what's going to happen come the summer and regardless of how good Ross Barkley is he's like he's only got eyes for Jordan Henderson and maybe Calvin Phillips who's not played for about a million years and when he does he's dog shit for West Ham so I don't know what more Ross Barkley has to do, but on the on the day, I mean, he's he's had the most touches, uh, seventy nine most accurate par- accurate passes, fifty one out of fifty five. We might be here a while. These <laughs> stats get rid of most passes in the final third, twenty three, most final third entries nine, most chances created four, eight duels one. Uh, I mean, the list goes on. He was sensational, and that run for that goal uh, showed everything that he's about. Um, well, another aspect of what he's about because he is also what Wilco told us a quarterback who can just sit there and ping balls all over, all over the place. We can burst forward and he can play in Doughty for that's a chance and Doughty shot gets saved and then he's in the right place. Took up a good good position because he knows if the goalkeeper parries it, he's he's got it and and, and he, he nets it and um, he, he's he's just some player. I mean, what a absolute privilege it is to watch that fella play football pleasure and a privilege in there you're absolutely right it is I don't know if there's such a thing as a box-to-box quarterback but if there is he's it because you know he can do both ends of the pitch we recognized in the Bolton Cup game didn't we the block that he made to stop a tap in in that game so he can do the defensive bit we know he's got the passing range and now he's picking that ball up and he's driving and that again that's essence of that formation change that we've um that we've created and also Sambi Lakonga, I'll come on to him a bit later because none of this is a fluke. Lakonga's a huge, huge part of um, what we do, but it's, we're not even halfway through the match, through the match yet. Um, Two-two half time. I have to say, I needed half time uh, just to re- com- just to compose myself. It was absolutely manic. I mean, it was already a brilliant away day, but then you go to St James's and you score twice, which is already beyond your wildest dreams. And then. After half time, you're like, well, what can happen next? Because normally when the coaches get older, these teams after a frantic 45, they boil the shit out of the second 45, don't they? Yep. None of this, n- none of this, this time. They still keep Dan Byrne on the pitch. I mean, he's been roasted God knows how many times. And you know that something is going to happen. And then what was it? 10 minutes into the second half, 15 minutes into the second half, whatever it was. Chio stands him up and he says, right. Let's go to war straight past him. He's pulling back at him, Burn. he's losing him. And then finally, Chio's in the box and he grabs him. Down he goes, I have absolutely no idea how two officials on that side of the pitch cannot tell that he's fouled him inside the box and we got three or four minute VAR wait. But, you know, it was coming. You know, it, if we'd put it in fluorescent highlighter pen and neon lights, it couldn't have made it any more obvious that it was coming. Uh, and when it did, no no one in that place was surprised. Yeah, I don't know what they were playing at, really. Watching the VAR back, I, I thought that they might um, give it. There was a, there was a first contact outside the box, and I thought they might give it for that. But then but there's a second on, one. didn't he, the referee? Yeah. He actually said no play on because he loses him, doesn't he? And then when he's just going in the box, he gets him again. Because mm. we've had a few comments, both on social media and on our preview thing about the foul taking place outside the box. Yes, it did, but he played on from that one and it was the second foul that he gave. Yeah, and that one was clearly clearly inside. It was, yeah, a nailed on, nailed on penalty, really. Um, I'm surprised it took that long to, to get one because he was grabbing at him and pulling at him as much as he could and still couldn't really <laughs> rein him in. He was... He was electric, uh, Chio, and you know we've seen him do that against loads of players, better than Dan Burton, anyway. Better, than, um, you know, Trent Alexander Arnold. He roasted him up a Kenilworth Road as well. So, um, yeah, back to an earlier point you made. It's a bit baffling why nobody saw that coming, but it kind of it almost smacks of like um, not taking Luton seriously, that sort of stuff. Well, but, arrogance, isn't it? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could say that um, because. You'd, you'd put somebody, you'd put two people on him, wouldn't you? Some teams, some teams have, and that's when they they've kept him sometimes quiet. You put two players on him and and hope for the best, really. But he, I mean, he could still knock it past both of them, and run, but that's a different story. But um, yeah, it was it was a penalty all day long, and then the <laughs> the debacle of it. Um, I mean, the letter letter of the law, it's correct, but 
um, to make him take it twice was a bit um, nerve wracking at the time. But then I guess that's just the nerves of the time, because if you think back to the, the player final and all the penalties Luton take took, they've still got that in their locker. And uh, he talked about it afterwards, didn't he, Morris, about going through that that process. I mean, to still ice in his veins to stick it in the same place twice. <laughs> it, uh, I had a lot of time for that one. But um, yeah, dreamland at that point, wasn't it? I mean, absolute balls of steel from Morris. I mean, he's right. You couldn't hear yourself think. So I can understand why he thought the referee had blown his whistle. Obviously, the referee's behind him and he hadn't blown his whistle. So the referee's right to make him take it again I get that but to show the goalkeeper what you're going to do and then do the exact same thing and the goalie dies the exact same way I mean it's glorious wasn't it, it was, absolutely glorious it was just brilliant and I'm delighted for Carlton because his assist earlier in the in the game obviously his goal against Burnley was massive and in this formation change he has made a huge huge impact and obviously he's captain as well now without Tom. And he's spoken as well, I think, in the interview after the game, how much being the captain after Tom means to him as well and how he's trying to take Tom's leadership skills onto the pitch with him. And he's doing brilliantly. I think that's five goals and five assists for Morris this season. So 10 goal contributions, huge, huge impact for Morris. And this is a guy who was kind of getting frustrated that that goal wasn't happening. And now he looks like the beast that he was in the championship once again. Absolutely. And I know I didn't get the scoreline right, but I did call Morris to score. <laughs> so I'm, I'm having that. Is that half a point? It's not half a point. You're a hard man to please. <laughs> it's, a, it's kudos. That's all you're getting. <laughs> I just think having him on the pitch, it wasn't quite working before when it was the front three. Um, I don't know why, because he's played that before. But this little tweak that we've talked of now, um, it, it's just working wonders for him. And to have him on the pitch as extra goal threat, is it's it, that's probably why Luton has scored so many, and not just him. Obviously, there's a lot of reasons, but you know, a twenty goal man from last season shouldn't be sitting on the bench. If there's a sniff, he'll get it. Um, and he had he did wasn't getting those sniffs earlier in the season, but he's proving so instrumental now. And if he's not going to score and set, he can set one up, then he'd be happy with that as well. So yeah, I thought he had a great game, Morris. Yeah, absolutely immense. I was going to say classy uh, number nine performance, but he wasn't the number nine. Yeah, But the number nine did get, well, he's number 11 shirt wise, but the number nine in the formation set up got his um, say on the game as well. I mean, Luton have improved so much, but what was good about the fourth goal is we can still go back to the counter attacking days as well. And once the ball broke to Alfie, it was just burst down. I think everyone thought he was going to cross it because Eli was kind of in the box ready for a cross, but he's seen Barkley or Barkley's called him or whatever. It's a great pass. Split two players. It's a brilliant pass. And then we're in the exact same situation that we were in 20 minutes previous with Barkley's bearing down on goal. They think he's going to shoot. He shapes to shoot. He brings two of them in to block the shot. Never in month Sundays was he going to shoot. He didn't just pass it to Eli. He put it in a position where all Eli's got to do stay on side and ping it in the far corner. If you watched our third goal against Brighton, change the colours of the shirts because you saw it exactly the same again, that little bit of movement. And we are proper in dreamland when that hits the back of the net. No more than we deserved. We were brilliant for an hour. Yeah, at that point, you know, rampant. But um, I saw somebody say on Twitter, and I apologise, I can't remember who it was, but it made me chuckle that if you looked up weight of pass in the dictionary, just say Ross Barkley. Because he absolutely laid it on a plate for Eli and a man of his form after the hat trick uh, in midweek against Pryor, and he is not missing that. And you don't have to do much to that. You can pass it. He did pass it into the net um, with some gusto. But yeah, I mean that was incredible, and I I, I genuinely thought that they'd go on and uh, and win it at that point. And I suppose that's where the tinge of disappointment comes from. But I mean, ultimately. Um, you still got to hold your hands up to the attacking qualities of of Newcastle. Both teams were fucking brilliant in in attack, and you just sometimes have to go. Hey, don't we all love those sorts of games of football? Absolutely, and it's not the first one we've been involved in this season either, is it? At the time, Elijah Adebayo had gone in the top ten scorers in the Premier League this season. Cole Palmer since overtook him Sunday afternoon, but of those ten top goal scorers with Palmer out of the equation. Only one man has more goals per minute 
in the Premier League this season. And it's some fellow, you might have heard of him actually, Erlin Haaland. He's not bad either. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rings a bell. Yeah, <laughs> keeping mighty good company. Do you know what, though? Erling Haaland is the goal machine in the best team in the world. And so he's always going to be up at the top there. But Elijah Adebayo had a stinker of a start to this season. So to be in that picture at all is phenomenal. It really is. Yep. Nine goals in the Premier League for Elijah. Ten if you include that Bournemouth one. He's five off the top goal scorer in this division, although Haaland is back now, so uh, might struggle to catch him. He but could do that in know. one game, couldn't he, Haaland? Haaland really get five, but um, yeah, it is incredible turnaround and um, he's showing the sort of form that he did when he first came in the Luton side and got his chance halfway through the season. Obviously, he signed in January, but um, we all thought he'd be a bit of a long-term prospect and a bit of development. And then he come in and he scored and he just didn't stop. And that's sort of where we are now with, with Elijah Adebayo. He's just got his mojo back. Yeah, I'm not picking on Dan Byrne, but he was just a focal point of the game. It was his loose challenge that sent the ball out to Doughty to start that. And finally, Eddie Howe's realised, and I've had enough of this bloke. I mean, he, what is he, six foot seven? You can't miss him. So you must know that he's been terrible. Finally, he gets the Shepherds uh, hook and he's off. And the, the the two subs that come on, Tino Livramento was always going to keep Chio more quiet because he's got more pace. But the real one was Harvey Barnes. His bugger always scores against us. So, you know, why couldn't you have stayed injured for one more week, man? That's all we needed. I don't think the game changed at that point. I thought we were still perfectly as good as we were. But when you're 4-2 down, you've got to re- respond, haven't you? You know, when everyone in that ground of a home nature is expecting them to win. And to be fair, they did. I don't think we did a great deal wrong. Maybe we could have cleared the set piece a little bit further away from our goal than what we did. But mildly, to be fair, that pass across goal for Trippier to score, that's that's a serious ball with the outside of the right boot into um, Trippier, who just volleys it in the bottom corner. Kaminsky got no chance. It is great ball. I think if if it's anyone else but Morris, and I've just talked him up in an attacking sense, if that's a defender on Trippier, I think you just lean into him a bit more and put him off balance and maybe that has the desired effect. But um, yeah, I mean, he's, he showed a lot of desire to be fair. He was a decent volley as well for um, a fellow that's more known for probably crossing than finishing, isn't he? But um, yeah, the heart sank a little bit then because they hadn't really got over the emotion of the four the four two and it was very 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 quick i mean as it was for their second goal they cancelled out the osho's um leveler and put them ahead so there was a lot of that going on i mean it was chaos but it was absolute <laughs> it was madness um and yeah i at, at that point there's so much time you felt that they'd get back into it i didn't think they'd get back into it that quickly and uh yeah, it's, I suppose there's there's some controversy as to how they did as well. Yes, there is. Uh, Ross Barkley takes on, I think it was Longstaff, who from 100 yards away, and that was just down to the goal in front of us, let alone the rest of the um, pitch, it looked like Ross Barkley was fouled. It looked like he, late, he kind of pushed the ball past uh, Longstaff and was going to carry on his run, and he was kind of checked really referee didn't give it ball fell to Harvey Barnes and you just you could tell from the away and you knew the angle he was at that um, Kaminsky was blocked out by Gabe Osho and he curled it in didn't go in the corner so one or two people are sort of pointing a finger at Kaminsky but he would have been unsighted until it got past Osho but yeah he always scores against us Harvey Barnes we don't play against him very often but you know he he always scores against us and lo and behold there it is 4-4 yeah, and the heart probably sank then because for all of Luton's great start to that first half and they get back into it in quick-fire fashion and there was a million years to go until the final whistle considering the amount of goals that have gone on a VAR. Um, I mean, the VAR, yeah, the VAR one. Um, it was checked for forever, so you knew that it was going to be a pretty lengthy period of extra time. So you probably at that at that stage staring down the barrel of another half an hour of football and you're like yeah the the St James's Park was pretty pretty rocking there and that they make a hell of a noise so um any other any other probably um promoted team 
they shrink at that point, I think. Um, but Luton didn't. But you know, on the on the controversy of the foul, I don't think there's a conclusive enough um, angle for it. It does look like he has slightly been fouled, but then Ross Barkley, you know, to his to his credit and his detriment at the same time, tries to play on and tries to win the ball back. I think if he if he probably sells that more because he does get knocked up in the air as well. And then maybe he gets the foul there. I, I just, I, I think you probably have to err on the, the, the side of the attacker. And, and I think we talk a lot about consistency, mainly with referees and how it's not there. And I think if we're going to say a couple of podcasts back that you're allowed contact in the box with a goalkeeper, James Trafford for Burnley, I think you have to say consistent, consistent wise. I, I don't think you, I don't need, I don't think you can give it. I was hoping they were gonna. I was hoping the VAR decision was going to come out, but I don't think there's 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 too much you can really complain about. I mean, that's not to say that the people won't complain, but um, it's it it's not as clear cut. I don't think, um, and I do think. I mean, Kaminsky made a, a string of good saves again. I think his positioning probably wasn't as as good there, but maybe Harvey Barnes takes that earlier than than he's expecting. Um, it, it certainly seems that way because he side footed it from so far out, and there was a massive, massive gap. And I think you've you've got to give give credit for the for the shot there. But um, yeah, it was it was a sickener. Uh, in the end, it didn't turn out that way. Well, I mean, Barkley's been so good with the ball this season that Kaminsky probably thought he had five minutes before um, the next attack was coming, didn't he, to be fair? I mean, where I would say on this foul is if it's at the other end and Longstaff wipes out Barkley, sorry, the other way around, Barkley would wipe out Longstaff, I wouldn't want the foul to be given. You know, I'd be be annoyed if if we're stopped because of of a foul like that. So... um, yeah, and it's hard to be too critical. You know, I, I, if that was in our favour, I, I wouldn't want a foul there either. So um, I'm kind of fine with it. And then, like you say, I mean, the best part of half an hour of football still to go. If this game was played in August or September, I think we do go down. I do. But we made a so much stronger stuff now. Uh, to be fair to Kaminsky, he's made an absolute worldie of a save from... Someone down on that left wing, I can't remember who it was, but it was Jacob Murphy. May well have been flicked off of um, Ted and Mengi, didn't it? And it was just going to nestle in the corner, but he's got it and pushed it round the post. But apart from Murphy's miss for, of an open goal at the back stick, which even then Amari Bell might have got in the way and blocked it anyway, they didn't really do an awful lot in that half an hour. And the golden chance to win the game came from Luton. And again, orchestrated by Ross Barkley, who, I mean, you mentioned about his passing range a little while ago. Well, I mean, he's stuck it on a sixpence for Chio, who's ran in behind the defence. Hit it, Chio. Hit it with everything you've got. He didn't. He kind of went for that controlled sort of side foot in finish and uh, hit the keeper. But great chance. And if that had gone in, I mean, Jesus Christ, we were way up in the gods, but I think we'd all have been pitch side by the time we'd finished celebrating. It was... <laughs> It was a great chance, but a lovely ball again. He has got vision that I've not seen any footballer have in my life before, Barkley. Yeah, I think if that's in, if that falls to anyone um, of a Morris or Adebayo persuasion, that gets laces and that gets in. But you can't you can't criticise Chio. He's the, you have to hit the target. If he's not done that, then you have to say, well, that's a great chance, properly wasted. But he's hit the target. It's not going in. And a share of the spoils, but... I mean, from their goal, the 4-4, I think a huge amount of credit has to go to Luton and the way that they have nullified it. If we're talking about a team that um, can take adversity and take a knock, uh, go a goal behind and come back, then to manage that last period in the way that it did, you know, it's a bit harem scaring for a while but once they got into that 10 minute period of added time Luton were the better side they had it most ball mostly possession mostly they were in Newcastle's half a lot more and obviously they got the chance which um, 
could have won it. Uh, whereas Newcastle didn't create anything after that. And um, that, that shows a lot of improvement as well. I mean, from a game when a lot, of, a lot of goals have gone in, so you can't really credit too much defensively. I think the maturity to sort of slow that down a bit and and take your time and build about it, build more and have a threat um, is is hugely positive for Luton. You know, regardless of you take out the the result of it being a a draw going forward, if they can do that against a team, any team. This is probably why that stat of 15 goals after 75 minutes, that's where it comes from because they've got belief they can do it, but also quality, which is where the Barkley ping comes from. Yeah, indeed. Um, it's easy to forget now because these players are playing so well. Six of that starting 11 started in the playoff final last season now they're going to St James's Park and they're going toe-to-toe with a team that's played Champions League football this season four more players from the championship came off the bench for us yesterday it is just is it four three or four uh, I lost count of all the subs <laughs> Woodrow Burke Pelly did anyone else come off the bench if they did then uh, I apologise to them yeah. um, but people were bringing championship squad off off the bench and they're going toe-to-toe with a side that walloped PSG 4-1 on this very ground less than four months ago. I mean, I've watched Premier League football a lot. I can't remember the last promoted team that have brought so many of their championship side with them and done things like this. I mean, you look at Notts Forest, they they had some good games on their on their own ground last year, but they didn't bring their championship team with them. They signed a whole new squad and paying the price for it with charges now. Yes, we've added some real quality and I'm going to come on to a couple of them in a minute. But largely, this is the DNA of this squad is the championship squad from last season. It's absolutely incredible, the improvement in these boys. It really is. I mean, we've not even talked about Jordan Clark. The way I had a stormer of the game, he picks up some great positions, um, some really unselfish positions that allow Barkley to do some damage. His touch is great. He's got good vision. You know, until Barkley came on, look, we all know that we're talking about him as the greatest ever free signing, and he's still top draw. Uh, but the fact that he's come in after, you know, almost midway through the uh, through the season, and he's now more of a regular. Uh, he obviously had the injury, but to pick up straight away and prove yourself to be um, adept at Premier League football, there's him, there's Gay Bosho in the same boat. There's, there's something in the water at the brace because they're all doing it. Yeah, I mean, the biggest compliment that you can play, pay Jordan Clark, Andros Townsend stayed on the bench. Yeah, you know, he was the absolutely. match. He was the match winner in the home game, and um, it really was sort of just crazy. Uh, sometimes just struggle to, although we're watching him improve week in week out. I just, I just can't fathom how it's happening. It's it's unbelievable coaching uh, that's going on. That's now two goals and three assists in the last six Premier League games for Ross Barkley. Um, you know, and and these are. These are good teams he's playing, you know, in these last six games, we've played Chelsea, we've played Brighton, we've played Newcastle, dominating all of these. And like you said earlier, it's just, I woke up this morning kind of disappointed because it's six more days till we get to see him do his thing again. And you're like, you almost want a midweek game so that it comes along sooner, you know? (laughs) Yeah, Um, I do. I do. He's, 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 He's unbelievable. And I think when Match of the Day start um, joining on the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast bandwagon uh, that we've been running for about two months. We created this. (laughs) That Ross Barkley should be in the England side. Then then I think this thing's got legs, um, really, because he's playing in this deeper role, this quarterback role, which he's excelling at and has given him a new lease of life. He's showing the old Ross Barkley... When, with the goal that he scored he's got that vision um, but because he's occupying this deeper role now for Luton he's a million miles better than Calvin Phillips who's not played football for eons it, it, he's got to be in the contention 
He should be in contention now. It shouldn't be like, oh, if he keeps playing better, because he's been doing this for the entire season. Luton bar the first couple of games when he was just getting up to speed because he hadn't played for a while. The, the guy is phenomenal. Um, and if if we can't, as a nation, or Gareth Southgate mainly, if you can't see the 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 attacking qualities of somebody in that much form, then oh, I just, I can't really get that excited about the England uh, tilt for the trophy in the summer because you're not giving us the best opportunities to win it. When we put this bandwagon together and got it up and running, we were just Ross Barkley to go to the Euros. Mm. His form now is such that I don't even think he should go to the Euros as a squad member. I think right now he has to be the man to start that opening game of the Euro 2024 tournament alongside Declan Rice in the heart of our midfield with Bellingham in front of them. I don't see another central midfielder to play that role. In, I haven't seen him in the Premier League this season. There's lots of talk about Curtis Jones. He's a little bit further forward in terms of where he plays on the pitch. And um, Kobe Mainu, but it's far too, far too soon for him to go to the Euros, you would imagine. He may go to the World Cup, but not the Euros. Now, squad place isn't enough here. Ross Barkley should be starting for England in that role alongside Declan Rice because he is starring in it for us. He's one of, if not the best midfielder in the country at, at the moment. And he's a, he's got this new lease of life. He's play, and the fact that he's playing in the Premier League and doing this against big teams. Jordan, uh, Jordan Henderson has just been pissing around in the Saudi League in front of 600 fans for nothing. Didn't like it, didn't fancy very much and has gone to the Dutch League. Yes, he's playing for a, 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 a massive world name in Ajax. But the league ain't much that cop. Ain't in that much cop. Barkley's doing it in the Premier League for Luton. And I think the only thing there is possibly that he's playing for Luton. And there's this attitude that if you are, then you probably shouldn't be playing for England. I think he's proven this nonsense. Agreed. And I've not forgotten the Alfie for England bandwagon either. We've just parked that slightly. We'll pick that up again in the games to come, that's for sure. 15 goals in six Premier League games for Luton now until Liverpool decided that they were going to score this afternoon. That was the most of anyone in the last six games in the Premier League. That includes Manchester City. It did include Liverpool at the time. That includes Tottenham. It includes Arsenal. It includes everyone. I mean, I was worried at the start of the season, James. Not that we couldn't stay up. I knew we could. My worry was, could we score enough goals to stay up? Because last season we won a lot of games 1-0. And you knew we were coming up against better sides this season. Can we score enough goals to stay up? My God, you bet we can. Highest scoring team in the bottom half of the league table now. Now that Wolves um, disappeared out into the sunset and into the top half earlier on today. These statistics, they keep on piling up. They're incredible. Yeah, all over the place. Uh, that's just the latest one, really. Uh, but, yeah, They've got to tighten up from the game against Newcastle defensively, but may, maybe that's an anomaly. Let's face it, they kept Brighton out pretty convincingly um, for, for a clean sheet there. I mean, there's not enough clean sheets, that's 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 for sure. But oh, it's kind of like this... It's not, no, I'm not saying this because this is a Newcastle episode, it's kind of like the old Kevin Keegan Newcastle, where it's like, well, you, yeah, you can score two if you like, but we'll score more. It's bloody exciting. I mean, you say about clean sheets and yeah, I, I get it that everyone would like clean sheets, but you look at this weekend, 10 matches in the Premier League, the only clean sheets were kept by Aston Villa against Sheffield United and Manchester United against the West Ham side who had God knows how many shots, but had no radar to speak of whatsoever. So 20 teams this weekend have played football and only two of them have kept clean sheets and one of them played Sheffield United, which is an automatic clean sheet for a side of Aston Villa's um, scope so I think they are overrated in this particular Premier League season with five subs with however much VAR time added on or injury time added on I, ju I just think modern football has taken away the, the need for the clean sheet you're, all, you're almost now looking at the games where you can concede zero or one to get something out of it and you know we, we're starting to do that a lot more aren't we that's that's the main thing but 
I don't think we're I don't think we'll come in to any four fours or anything anytime soon. This was just a like you say, just a day where the attackers decided to roll their sleeves up and let's have a go. Yeah, but we're creating chances as well. I and mean, you think to Brighton it could have been more than four comfortably. Um as it could yesterday. Well yeah, yeah. But when the when the chances come, being clinical as well, which that wasn't really happening. And even when you're not scoring, yeah, it could have been the 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 most harebrained goal ever at the end. You, I mean, you probably wouldn't be here recording this with me now. You've probably fallen down the, the the steep slope that is St James's Park and just rolled onto the pitch and stuff. If Chia had scored, but let's face it, he got it on target as well. So something's going on that, that yeah, we know that they've been working on on it. But um, you know, you've got to be in it to win it, and if you can hit in the target, then you've got that chance and. You can't argue with that that amount of goals that are being scored at the moment. It's it is phenomenal. If that Chio chance had gone in, I wouldn't have been here recording this. I'd still have been in a pub in Newcastle somewhere, <laughs> singing from the hymn sheet of Luton Town because, uh, yeah, it would have drove driven everything absolutely crazy. Listen, we can talk about Ross Barkley forever and a day. We've got sixteen more opportunities to talk about him, but we need to talk about someone else, and that's the man alongside him. Albert Sambi Lakonga is, I'd, <laughs> I genuinely, yeah, he is. What a player. He's, he's chef's kiss, he's a Rolls Royce, he's any kind of positive termination that you want to, to speak about, he is it. Now this run of form, yes, we've said about a formation change and how it's coincided with that. And obviously it was kind of fueled by the emotion of what happens to Tom and everything else. But where it's no surprise is Sambi Lakonga has played, started six Premier League games for Luton since his injury. He came back for 10 or 15 minutes against Man City, didn't he, when um, Marvellous was going to be suspended for the Bournemouth game. So he started six games that count. We're not including the Bournemouth game because that doesn't count anymore. We've won three, we've drawn two, and the only defeat was against Chelsea where we was the width of the crossbar from getting something out of that game. What this guy brings to the team is in his own play, is exceptional. But the fact that just by being as good as he is, frees up Ross Barkley to be as good as he is, makes him one of the most valuable loan signings we've ever had. And I'll open that debate on a on a deep dive. We won't do that now yeah. because we've got so much to talk about. But he is brilliant. Although, if you're Mikel Arteta or anything to do with Arsenal, he is absolutely dog shit. <laughs> just let us have him for nothing in the summer. Yeah, or or whatever you want from it for him. Actually, I mean, his contract might be coming up, isn't it? I think if, if it is, then would you accept ten million? And can we can we'll we crowdfund? Yeah, crowdfund it, it and we'll, we'll get him in it. because he's having he's having an absolute storming season. I mean, yesterday he was hundred percent on uh, dribbles completed, which is pretty impressive. Is <laughs> about well, it's impressive as you can get, isn't it? So, uh, but he also yeah, you do better than that. You're going well, aren't you? <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of 110% merchants in football though. That's right, why. That but, um, no, 91% in his passing. You know, if, if it, if it wasn't for Ross Barkley, we'd be raving about him as well. So let's do it. Yeah. And that's 91% of passes and that's not your centre back to centre back passing. This guy's got a passing range that you like you say, had it not been for Ross Barkley, that comment that you made about passing range, well, it'd been Albert Sambi Laconga in the dictionary, not Ross Barkley, <laughs> because I mean, you saw it on Tuesday night, the pass to Chio, 60 yard pass on a dime, go and chase that Chio club. Uh, Luca at the club did an interview with him uh, that's on YouTube ahead of the game. And you could tell this is a guy who absolutely loves playing for Luton Town and he's a loan signing, don't forget. He's still technically an Arsenal player. You would imagine that his sights would be more on Arsenal winning the league, but no, he is firmly ensconced on this relegation battle and making sure that Luton stay up. And I mean, Jesus, you're playing alongside Ross Barkley. Why wouldn't you like it? But you, the form with him in the team is because he's in the team. It's He's just... He's so calm, you know, even when he got booked yesterday, I was like, ooh, you know, but it doesn't matter because he's not stupid enough to dive in again. And they must be a bloody good side Arsenal if he can't get near it. That's all I'll say. Well, they can carry on being a lovely, yeah. bloody good side as far as I'm concerned. And if they want to chuck him our way for a cut price, then 
let's be having it because yeah, he's phenomenal. The pair of them actually, and it, it has been highlighted and hopefully there's more Eddie Howes in the world that aren't going to pay attention to this, but the pair of them, they don't play these sideways passes. There is a bit more of that in the Luton team and that um, helped in that final 10 minutes, you know, just establish themselves, keep the ball more, keep possession. But then when both of them get it, either of them get it, sorry, they're always looking for a ball that's going to penetrate through the lines. You saw it for the, the second guard against Brighton for Chio. That was an exceptional ball, but they don't all have to be 60 yard pings. Sometimes they're just incisive 10 yard balls that get through midfield or something like that. And they're both absolutely fantastic at doing it. And it's no surprise that Luton are scoring as many goals as they are when you've got that ability to, to throw into the mix. And, and Jordan Clark is another one that can do it as well. So when the three of them are on the pitch, um, yeah, it's, it's dangerous. I look at the bottom half of the table, which we've got to do because, you know, survival battle and everything else. Take Chelsea out of the equation because they're not a bottom half of the table team. They're just in the bottom half of the table because of the way the results have been. I don't see a better central midfield pair than these two. There isn't a bottom half of the table side where I wouldn't want their midfield over us. And that's an incredible thing. Exactly. And that's why I think we're so confident. I mean, well, one of the reasons <laughs> why we're so confident because um, they just seem to be getting better and better and better. Um, there's no there's no flute game where they have a stellar one and then they drop off after that. I mean, the biggest drop off that there's been in this time, Barkley wise, was the one against Bolton where he just really didn't have that much influence really. But in a Premier League setting, he's just absolutely on fire and he's raising the standard for uh, a young player like Sam Lukonga say that oh, I can do that as well and he is he's raising the standard for somebody that's been knocking around in the lower leagues non-league even and he's made his way up and he absolutely loves the club in Jordan Clark and he's doing it um he's he's bring he's creating the chances both of them creating chances for the strikers and they're now being clinical and and thriving and everything's looking really positive it'd be handy if other teams would beat the teams around them to make it more positive but you know it was 16th after the game at Newcastle and 17th after Forrest drew but still at the bottom three and a game in hand still so yeah optimism all over the place without doubt out of the bottom three where we are right now that's that's absolutely fine I don't think we'll finish where we are right now think we'll go even higher because we're just improving and we said we've said on this podcast quite a lot that the second half of the season looked on paper an awful lot easier than the first half just on the home games alone I mean it's now only Aston Villa of the top six that have got to come to Kenworth Road still eight home games left so there's still seven other home games even if you think that Aston Villa are a tough nut to crack um that you can get points from with 20 points now we kind of scoffed when Ross Barkley said that 40 points was on the agenda, but he's not wrong now, is he? Six wins and two draws with these 16 games that we've got left. That means we can lose half of them and still pick that points total up. One defeat in nine in all competitions. One defeat in seven if you take away the Bolton games against Premier League opposition. And again, I reiterate that defeat was against Chelsea where we very, very nearly got something from that and may well have done had we had the appropriate amount of injury time that we should have had. It is, I mean, we often go on these mid-season runs, but we don't often go on them in the Premier League. It is unbelievable. But it's the first time in two years and two months that Newcastle have conceded four at home in a Premier League game. Just some team called Man City done it the last time. I mean, <laughs> the town yeah. are treading paths with the biggest and best sides in the world. And well, you absolutely love to see it. We, I, as a Luton fan, I've never, ever, ever had it so good. Yeah. And... I'm still scared that it's a dream and I'm staying away from any thorns or anything, anything that can poke me and wake me up just in case. <laughs> um, it is absolutely brilliant. I'm loving everything. Yesterday was a brilliant away day. Credit to Newcastle for that. Finally, we've gone to an away ground that's got some bloody noise in it, full of passionate fans, great fans. I mean, that banner that they put up before the game 
uh, I couldn't read fully because it was obviously below us, but it's something like we are the magpies or something like that. And they roused from it when they were four, two down, we'll have gone to teams who would have been booing and everything else. I mean, Everton were booing, um, at half time last week in the cup, not Newcastle. They were shouting louder, got behind them. Brilliant, brilliant away day, forgetting the result, but the result just made it so much be- more better. I just, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> you summed it up very nicely there. I mean, the emotions of it, um, you know, we'll, we'll think about that game for a very, very long time. And I think it's a modern Premier League classic already. I, I think it has to be viewed in those terms. And Newcastle have had a few of those over the years. Um, uh, and they, they got a point out of this one. Previously, they got beaten by Liverpool, I think, twice, four, three. But um, those ones always stick in the mind. And this one was just, they'll talk about, it being a great product and a great advert for the Premier League because it was goal, 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 goal. But um, you've seen Newcastle have a very good season last season. And I, I, I know from the many, many comments we got on the YouTube of the preview that they've had lots and lots of injury. Yes, we know. And so they've not been quite as good this season. But I think that sort of got back to what they were last season. But above all of that, this is the story of Luton Town. And it was already, as we know, the greatest fairy tale in football. But there's no team doing this. You, you, you can't compare, really. Sheffield United and Burnley are not producing the levels that Luton are at the moment. They haven't got the optimism. They haven't even got the stats behind them. As we know, after 20 games, no team who had less than 15 points, which those two didn't, has ever managed to stay up. At, you know, with Sheffield United getting thumped for five at Aston Villa, yeah, Burnley got a last-minute equaliser at the weekend, but they're not showing the signs that they that they can get out of it, but Luton are, and it's incredible to watch. Yeah, it is. And all this for a team that were going to be relegated at Christmas, yeah. Derby's points record and all that other bollocks, which we've well and truly rammed down people's throat. I heard it for the first time yesterday, two or three different places, Luton or Grace in this Premier League and they belong in the Premier League and it just sounded brilliant. Well, that's what people are talking of now, isn't it? And I mean, I mean, yes, we were singing that song from the start because we've been on this crazy ride since John Steele got us up from the, from the conference. It's been incredible. It, it it kind of shows that a lot of the pundits that were naysayers at the beginning don't really look beyond the Premier League. They don't really know what's going on. They don't understand a team like Luton. I don't. Yeah, it's almost like I don't think anybody can fathom it. They 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 didn't understand that when we came up and they were saying you'd be down, you'd be the whipping boys. We were like. Don't care. <laughs> it's great to be in the Premier League. This has uh, made the club sustainable. But don't you want to stay in the Premier League? Yeah, of course. Of course we do. But there's a bigger picture thing here, which isn't isn't really there with many other clubs. There will be some that have had to go down further down the leagues than they probably liked. None as far as Luton. And none as far as getting back. Um you know, they'll, they'll talk about Notts County and Wrexham probably as uh, similar stories if they can do it. But if they can do it in 10 years, good luck to them. But this is one hell of a ride and it's just still going up and up and up. It really is. Yeah. I mean, with Wrexham, they're going to be funded to do it, aren't they? Which we, we never were. Um, I knew I would enjoy this season. Of course I did. For the first season for 30 years that we've been in the top flight. I mean, you'd have even if it had resulted in what everyone said it was going to, you'd have been stupid not to have enjoyed it. But just the way we're playing in it, the games we're involved in, not just yesterday, the 4-3 against Arsenal, that magical moment against Liverpool, leading Man City, that crazy night, Tuesday night against Brighton, and everything else that that's coming with it, the joy of seeing Ross Barkley, the pure class of Sambi Laconga, the unbelievable talent that's Ted Mengi, Elijah's... Um, progression into a Premier League top class striker everything that goes with it 
It's absolutely brilliant. And I'm so delighted that the boys are doing it on this stage and they're finally getting the credit that they deserve from those outside of Luton and credit to all the Newcastle fans I spoke to yesterday whilst I was waiting for the bus back to the Metro and things like that. They were all like, wow, you belong in this league and we hope we see you next year and, and all of this. And yeah, I hope I'm going to St. James's Park next year because I had a bloody great time. Yeah, I think that Luton are now where they deserve to be. I mean, they, 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 they belong in this division. They've got the quality to cause... Every team, nearly every team that they've played this season, some problems. I think you can only really point to those first two games, maybe the West Ham one, but they were in that a little bit. But the first two games where they were um, quite overawed by the whole situation. Uh, and then maybe the Brentford one where there, it was, there was just nothing happening there. But even that one is a learning point that since that game, it's kicked on to this unbelievable run where... Uh, this calendar year, certainly, 2024, has been incredible. And it, you just love to see it. But you talk about the progression from those two games to now, um, but it keeps improving. It's not just, oh, yeah, we're, we're having this great run and then it maybe dips off. It's up and up and up at the moment. And, you know, with Sheffield United coming to town at the weekend, you just... You just feel it's going to continue. I mean, we were confident that we we're going to get a win at Newcastle and then bloody hell the amount of comments that said to us that we couldn't. I think they're all eating their hats now because that was a hell of a game. It absolutely was. Yeah. And and the biggest thing for me is the boys aren't in disbelief that they're doing it. They themselves know they're good enough to do this. And that is that is above everything. Sheffield United, and I'm not, digging them out or picking on them and I will give them the respect that they deserve when we do the preview podcast. They know they're not good enough for the championship, sorry, for the Premier League now. They know it. It was written all over Chris Wilder's face in his interview yesterday after that silly shenanigans about the sandwich in his previous one. Um, <laughs> but our lot, they know that they're good enough. At no stage yesterday did I see a team that was starstruck when they went 4-2 up. You know, they didn't kill themselves Newcastle just upped it again and that's fine and that says to me that we're not going to dip now this is the level we're at now can teams match this level because if you can't you're not going to finish above us in the table those that are around us right now these boys are at this level and they're going to perform to it if not improve on it for the next 16 games yeah one of the impressive things I mean all the talk about the goals and the excitement of it and everything but Newcastle, one of the hardest running teams in the Premier League and Luton matched them for that as well. So that work rate is what's going to keep them up there. Yeah, for they, they weren't, the, the possession stats, they were slightly lower. I think they were 43%. That's still phenomenal really against a team that can play like that on their home ground that has all that positive energy running through them. We know what it's like at Kenilworth Road when we get that going. Now they've got 50 odd thousand at, uh, at Newcastle so it, it does have an effect but to match them for those sorts of things is um, is that's the benchmark isn't it really and then all the quality that comes on top of that is um, doubly impressive and it's not just the boys who believe it you look on the sideline at 4-2 Rob Edwards ain't surprised mm -hmm. he is as calm as a cucumber again I'm not digging his predecessor out but he'll have been flying up and down the touchline, Mikel Arteta style. And it, you know, that's when it kind of, as a player, when the, when it's going, when it's getting tough, when they get back to 4-4, you look on the sideline and Nathan's pulling his hair out or he's biting his fingernails or everything else. And that feeds into the team. 4-4 yesterday, they looked over and Rob was just calm it down. Let's, you know, never too high, never too low, all of that sort of thing. And they rode it out and it was just brilliant. And I love watching it. And I can't wait for these last 16 games to come around because if they're even a tenth as good as yesterday, they'll be brilliant. Yeah. Do you know what, actually, when you were saying that, um, an unsung performance once he came on in that final stage is Pelly, right? What happened, Panzi? Um, it really came on and helped. <laughs> it's mad to say this for Pelly, Rodrigo and Panzi because he's uh, such a jack in a box, but calmed it down. <laughs> Really did help, um, and 
you know, it's the sort of thing that you'd expect um, Andrews Townsend to be coming on and do because he could do that and give you that control. But when we're talking about all these uh, players from the championship that have come up and stepped up a level, uh, he's got to be learning from from that because he's not having the game time that he would have had. He was never present for many, many seasons. Um, when you've got Ross Barkley and Sam, hey. Sambi Lukonga on the pitch, then you're going to have to play a supporting role. But to, to do that, he was he was so much better against Newcastle than he was against Brighton because he was a bit off it then. Yeah, you're right. I'm glad you brought substitution back up because, of course, Jacob Brown is the one that I forgot and he was another player. Not with us in the Championship last season, but who was a Championship footballer last season. I mean, just an incredible afternoon of football. Another afternoon I'll never, ever forget. And uh, hopefully it's a point that contributes greatly towards Luton staying in the division this season. I think it I think it will be because we talked beforehand. I was confident of a win. It didn't come, but... That was that was like the top level dreamland stuff. You get a win, but a point away, win your home games. Then now you're talking, and really, the home games that have got coming up of those eight that you talked about, with only Aston Villa to come, and their away form's not that particularly good. It's looking really good um, for the running, um, and for a team that's building a building, getting better, and growing in this confidence especially when they play at home. We know what that's like. It's just, yeah, I want them to be, I want them to be playing tomorrow because I don't want to have to wait. That's exactly it. That is the only disappointing thing from this game of football that we've got to wait until Saturday for it to uh, happen again because, I mean, if you're not liking watching this football team, it's not really the sport for you, is it? It's just absolutely brilliant. That is it. Unfortunately, say it isn't so. Unfortunately, <laughs> that is it for this episode of the podcast. We have run over an hour again. We are trying to keep these between 45 minutes and an hour, but hey, when you've got eight goals and God knows everything else to pack into it, there's no chance of us keeping this one to an hour. But at least you've got another, well, five days you've got until the weekend to listen to this one. It will still be in date, not like some of them that we've had recently. Uh, your final thoughts on the day, though, James, just to just to sum it all up. Just when you thought that you've um, had as much uh, pride and admiration for a football uh, team and a bunch of players, they just exceed it, really. And um, yeah, we'd like to win. We'd like to hold on at 4-2. But at the same time, you've got to give Newcastle some credit. But, you know, to not capitulate as well in a a game of, of that, emotional magnitude is 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 remarkable from them and just you, you just have to take your hat off to them because this is some football club yeah absolutely is some football club yeah i woke up this morning as proud as i've ever been of us and um yeah like i say the fact that that narrative is getting changed and we're hearing it everywhere we go now it's just yeah, it's just absolutely brilliant that is it for this episode of the podcast. Uh, our thanks, as always, to the Hightown Club for staging the um, studio for us, to Sean Grant and the Wolfgang for the wonderful intro music, and to Ed Smith Creative for all the designs that you see on set. Until next time, which will be a preview of a huge game of football at Kenilworth Road against Sheffield United. Come on, you hatters. Got this massive soul. We're looking people.